0: gets goosebumps every time you hear that song i legit just got goosebumps again it's impossible
1: oh man i just got them for like the third time in the last hour (laughs) (laughs) welcome back everyone to a very 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 excited roman's empire podcast and a special episode actually not only because we qualified for the Champions League, as we were all hoping, but because we also have a special guest here, um, we invited Mikey Cluer on from At the Bridge Pod uh, to come and join us. Uh, Mikey, first of all, thanks for joining the pod, and um, maybe give us a little background on yourself, and also uh, a little, a little hint as to uh, what you're feeling right now.
2: Yeah, what's up, guys? It's a it's an honor to be on your pod. It's uh, been a good one. Um, yeah, um, myself. Obviously, the accent gives it away. I, I'm from the uh, good old UK, so uh, yeah. Hopefully, no one can pinpoint where in the UK I'm from, which would be great. Uh, yeah, what a what a day! I mean, we we knew it was fate was in our own hands. Simple as that. We win. We qualify. Simple as that. Obviously, results did go our way, but we still did the business. Mason Mount did the business, to be fair. And yeah, we're in top four, and it's been an incredible season. Simple as that. You know, I've I've mentioned it on my own podcast before. Transfer ban, Eden Hazard leaving, inexperienced manager coming in in his first Premier League campaign, and for me, it's an overachievement to get top four. I know we've been in there since I think it was October, but for me, it's it's a fantastic season. Hopefully, in a week's time, we'll be able to cap it off with a, a trophy. But. For now, the here and now, absolutely incredible season we've had.
1: Yeah, so um, again, I, I, got, I got a little bit excited. Uh, Mikey, last time we had a guest on our podcast, Andres called me out because I forgot to specifically introduce him uh, before the guest. <laughs> um, so before I forget, uh, I do want to welcome Andres and Sam, as usual, to the Romans Empire podcast. I mean, they fulfill the trio. Um, but I guess today we're – what is it? A, qu- a quadrant, technically? I don't yeah. know. Um, but but how are you fortet. guys doing? What, what's fortet. your initial reaction? Quartet. There we go. For, first of all,
0: uh, Mikey, it's so great to have, uh, you know, someone from the UK on our show because it just gives us a little bit more legitimacy. You know, like just being. <laughs> it gives um, us street um, cred. Exactly. <laughs> like uh, people don't really trust us, so you know, once once you come on, you give us some legitimacy. So I appreciate that. How how are you doing, Andres?
3: good man i want to double down on that it's something about that accent that just makes everyone feel more secure you know like you you listen to you listen to planet earth and they they talk in an accent you're like yeah (laughs) these guys know what they're talking about but you know it's just we're here guys champions league just like this big giant purple alien in avengers once said dread it run from it destiny arrives all the same we're here i think champions league it's
1: I think it's hilarious that all of the uh, guests that we've had on our show from the UK always start off, like, their introduction with, well, if you guys couldn't tell by the (laughs) accent, I'm actually from the UK.
0: Uh, overused uh, joke.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, well, well, it does give us a little bit of street cred, because we do get a lot of shit for being American, but then again, at the same time, I think Christian Pulisic is kind of making everybody put a sock in it, so.
2: Top player, top player.
0: All right, let's 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 start off with the recap. Obviously, uh, as if you can tell from the beginning of our episode, we qualified top four. Uh, so you know, we, we, we were also had had an eye on the United Leicester match, but it really didn't matter because we only needed one point to qualify, and we got all three with a two nil win uh, over Wolves, not Watford. Uh, <laughs> the lineup uh, we got. Uh, I'll 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 start off with the defense. Zuma Rudy Dave and Alonzo uh, with that three four three um, I'm sorry and Reese James also uh, Jorginho Kovacic uh, in the midfield uh, Mount Pulisic and Giroud up front. So mount on the right Pulisic on the left and in goal an hour before the match or right before the match because when I first saw the lineup announcement, I'm pretty sure Kepa was in Dropped for the man Willie. I mean, uh, that was something that we predicted last week, and uh, it came true. I think that this might be the last time we see, or last week was the last time we saw Keppa in goal. But uh, let's just start off real quick. 3-4-3, three, three, once again, we uh, matched the Wolves three at the back system. Um, but instead of having Willian uh, on the right side, we put in Mounts on the right. So once again, keeping, uh, keeping Mounts, in the front uh, three for this kind of formation. Uh, We we, we predicted a 4-3-3 with Mounds dropping back, but uh, I'm pretty sure William picked up a knock, so he wasn't able to go. Um, So, uh, Mikey, I'll start off with you. Given the circumstances, were you uh, surprised with the 3-4-3 once again? And what what did you expect?
2: Not not really. I mean, for us, we we play better when we've gone 3-4-3. I mean, we've had success over the multiple years with that system because of Antonio Conte when he brought that in against Arsenal after that game and we went on to win the title. Uh, yeah, simple as that. Um, we, we all know Alonso is a liability at left-back, but as a left-wing-back, he, he he's one of the best players in that position, particularly. He gets a lot of flack from our fans, but he really is good as a left-wing-back, and I stress that wing-back, not left-back. And... You know, we know how wolves play. I think sometimes it does do well to match up tactically the same formation. I think if we'd have gone for four three three and not played wing backs, I think we would probably be talking about a different result purely because Alonso would most likely be at left back, and you know when you bring on a Oro, you're going to start to worry. He's got that pace, and he's got apparently very oil oil uh, rich arms now that that's the thing that came out on twitter today and it looked really true (laughs) his arms did i i thought that was absolute nonsense at first but it does seem true it's it's bizarre but okay but yeah tactically it worked well and you know okay the first half wasn't the best the second half we were much better but the point was you know we look at it possession 63 to 37 we had double the amount of shots that they had double the chances created Simple as that, and passes. I think it was the pass success was eighty three percent again. We were fantastic, and we defended set pieces as well. I, you know, we always worry with corners, but and crosses into the box. But even Willie Caballari came in, and he stopped. He was he was decent, you know, for a backup keeper of thirty eight. He's been he's been a top top uh, goalkeeper for us when he's been asked to uh, fill the sticks.
1: I gotta I gotta agree. Um, you know, me and Andres have been kinda going at it the last couple weeks, uh back and forth with the three four three and a four three three. And we kinda came I think all three of us kinda came to this conclusion that the four three three is definitely the way of the future for us, especially with the incoming arrivals. Um, but specifically for this match I was kind of worried to see it uh, on the team sheet, if I'm going to be honest with you. Just the thought of uh, Adama Traore filling in um, those gaps uh, in between the fullbacks and the outside center backs in those outside channels just kind of scared me. But they didn't really seem to be a threat on the day, um, which is something that I noticed. But whenever um, Willie was called upon, he did he, he did well. And when you look at the whole season in general, overall, I think he's been a better shot stopper than Keppa. Um, obviously he's not as great with his feet, but sometimes that works to our advantage, especially when we have Ali Giroux up top, um, or you could just kind of ping it into a big ass target man and he could just, uh, flick it onto one of our wingers. We can maintain possession that way. Um, there's no dilly dallying around the box. I think that's something that gets in Keppa's head a lot. I think Willie's no nonsense. He's old school and he's a decent shot stopper. That's all you could really ask for in a backup keeper. Um, but Andres, what did you think? Were you, uh, were you excited to see Keppa in? Cause you didn't really get a chance to speak on it last week.
3: Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I think I tweeted it before game. I didn't get to speak on it, but I was expecting and hoping for Willie for sure. Something that we discuss is that this back line just doesn't, maybe it's the lack of trust in Kepa that makes them commit so many errors. And one thing that I immediately noticed today with Willie and goal was the fact that you saw him on camera speaking to the defense consistently and I don't know if it's because they don't focus on that, or maybe they we just don't see it, but I don't think Kepa was doing that. So that's already a huge step up in my eyes. The fact that he can be an extra set of eyes for these guys just looked, as a whole unit, looked a lot more comfortable. I know that I am the kind of guardian and protector of the 4-3-3, but I definitely saw the 3-4-3 coming again this week. I wanted a 4-3-3 against Liverpool, but again, it's a match-to-match kind of thing. We have worked well when we match Three at the back systems, and whenever they said that Conte was still kind of not a hundred percent, I personally thought that we might see, kept, uh, I mean, Kovacic be with Mount in the middle and have both Willian and Pulisic up top. But once Willian had an injury, it kind of just sorted itself out. So I don't think I was actually surprised with how we ended up lining up today.
0: And also, uh, Frank touched upon. Uh... Him dropping Keppa in his post uh, post match presser, he said, uh, "I have I have long hard thinks about everything, not just individual positions, but how we are as a team. Clean sheets are not just a reflection of the team. I don't want to pinpoint it on Keppa. The Keppa decision, as I said before the game, was a choice on recent form. Uh, and later he went on to say, "I, I felt like going with Caballero with his confidence from Man United was important. Zach, I- I'll start off with you." What do you think about uh, his decision and uh, what he said after the match?
1: Well, I kind of mentioned it last week, and Andres, he touched upon it briefly here. It's, you know, as a defender, you feel way more confident about your own game when you trust the guy behind the sticks or or in front of the sticks behind you, uh, rather. But, um, you know, I, I, I mentioned it. And, and it's blatantly obvious here. I don't think defensively we looked uh, shaky at all. Mikey touched upon it as well. You know, set pieces, we looked pretty comfortable on the day. Um, I don't know if it was the knock that Raul Jimenez took from Zuma early on that kind of uh, took him out of the match mentally, but he was a non-factor on the day. Um, I thought Adama Traore coming on was another warning sign for our defense, which would put us to the test, and we've seemed to cope with that pretty well. Um, so overall confidence wise, we did look much better, but I don't want that to highlight the fact that our back line still does need work. You know, we still are a few players away from, from being a contending team. But, um, Mikey, what did you think? Um, do you think there's a, there's like an obvious confidence, um, in the defense when we, when we see Willie between the sticks?
2: Yeah, I think it's, you know, I respect what, what's happened over the last few weeks, towards Keppa and any player really the abuse it's wrong and you know I said it on my own pod it's disgusting that's not on however if we look at just let's look at performances Kepa just isn't a Premier League calibre goalkeeper the thing is I feel that the reason that the defence were better today and they were better performing they were more confident because you know that Willy Caballero He's going to come for the ball. He's going to come for that cross. He's going to try and make do his best with it. Kepa has a habit of staying back. We saw it against um, Liverpool, where the defence was screaming at Kepa, Kepa come for the ball, and he didn't. And you think there's a bit of distrust there. And that always goes in the back of your head then as a player. you, If you're not trusting of your goalkeeper, similar to how Liverpool were with Karius, mistakes happen. And for me... You know, two seasons we've had Kepper, and yes, he's cost a lot of money, but that's that's through, that's just what it is. Bilbao have those release clauses because of their Basque-only policy. So if you want to take a player from their club, you pay their release fee because it's harder for them to replace them. We paid that release fee, and he's just not been a Premier League goal, goalkeeper of the calibre we require. For me, two seasons of Kepper, I think the experiments failed. I think... Do you think of Keppa's season this year you would say inconsistent, lots of errors. If you say last year's Kepa review, League Cup, what happened in the League Cup summed up, even though he had some positives, penalty shooter against Frankfurt aside, you just think of that incident in the League Cup. I mean, I speak to people who are non-football fans, including people in my family, and they've said the same. They just remember Kepper, oh, the goalkeeper that didn't want to come off the field. And it just says it all, you know. You need a good attitude, and you. you... Unfortunately, we're going to have to go back to the drawing board in regards to a goalkeeper. We've seen with the likes of City, we've seen with the likes of Liverpool. You purchase a top, top quality keeper, all of a sudden you're challenging for silverware again. And I mm. feel that's what we're going to have to do this summer. I feel that for me, Kepper's career at Chelsea is is over.
0: And we got a Twitter question uh, from Jared Barkovsky at JR Bork. He says. Who's going to be our keeper next season? Will uh, Caballero be our day one starter? Mikey, uh, uh, Mikey if you want to start <laughs> off.
2: Um, I, I think it's unlikely that Caballero will be our day one starter. I mean, he's he's been a great servant as a backup goalkeeper, a, a great cup keeper, but he is 39 next month. Well, in September, he'll be 39. So he's, he's probably not for the long term. However, I think realistically, we've got a few names that have been thrown out there. Ob- Oblak. I mean, if we signed Oblak, he'd be easily we'd we'd be challenging for the title next season. I'm I'm that confident. I think that's yeah. quite a unrealistic target because eh, money. Yeah, no, we have got money. I know, but when you take in Verner, Zieck, Havertz potential, it's going to be a lot of money. And and the Keppa. But, but, up, but so Mikey,
3: can... but Mikey, if we offer them Keppa we would just have to pay double the transfer fee to have them take him off our
2: hands. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think realistically, I think we know that Andre Onana is available from Ajax because Ajax have a, like a, a respectful gentleman's agreement with the likes of they had with Ziek, Tagliapico. And of course, Onana where they can leave this summer. If the right bid is made, I feel that he'd probably be quite good. He'd probably suit Lampard's system with playing out. I. Uh, on our podcast a few weeks ago we discussed the variety of keepers there's Donnarumma. Rummer I really like Donnarumma. Rummer he's achieved quite a lot at an early age there's that question mark about his contract and his agent so you never know he might want to be at Milan for many yeah. years to come Raiola is a big issue yeah exactly yeah. I, I feel that I, I really like Oblak we all do but realistically I think it will probably be Onana or Nick Pope that's what I think yeah doesn't mean that I feel that we couldn't get our black one day, but I feel realistically, number one, I think it will be Onana or Nick Pope next season.
1: Who do you prefer?
2: Well, Nick Pope's Premier League proven, so you have to go with the Premier League proven goalkeeper. There's a reason he's, I think Edison just edged him out this after today's clean sheet for Man City yeah. against Norwich, that he was second to the Golden Gloves. For a Burnley yeah. side, that they're not, they're not top five. You know, they're they're taking a lot of shots. Burnley do. They're good defensively, yeah. but yeah, I think he's a good shot stopper. The only question mark is at Chelsea. You're probably going to say this now, but you're going to be facing less shots. So is right, the concentration really my question? Yeah, the, is the concentration level going to be there? That's very different. So that's that going to be my mark. point.
3: You know, Ajax being a possession side, like what Chelsea is trying to achieve, maybe Onana is more kind of on it for the 90 minutes because there's no break, you know, in between, or there is going to be a longer break in between the shots he faces. Yeah. So that, that would be my argument for that. That's also my argument kind of against Henderson, who is the other name that gets thrown out. If we can get United to sell him to us, which I highly doubt. Happen. Yeah. happen. Yeah. The other thing yeah. is somebody, somebody brought up in our group text, the fact that De Gea's contract for this upcoming year is – he's due for a big big money move so or not big money move but big money coming his way meaning that maybe united would want to fund it but i really doubt with his current form that they would be so willing to give up henderson the the one reason that i'm kind of hoping for the Block hopes and dreams to stick around yes we do have money already there is still a lot of players on their way out but today we saw caballero's vocal leadership be a part I can only imagine Oblox is tenfold that and if we can't get somebody of your Koulibaly Van Dyke level center back the ability of getting somebody like Oblox at the back almost makes me feel more comfortable with getting a more standard center back just because you will have this kind of vocal goalkeeper behind them that should ooze the most confidence out of anybody in the world, arguably, at that position. So that's my one argument, but it's still kind of a pipe dream. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah.
1: It, it, it's a really bad situation to be in when we have to, you know, bring in a top quality center back and a top quality keeper. But I think if it came down to picking between one or the other, I would definitely bring in a ready made top quality goalkeeper and stick it out one more season if we absolutely had to with the back line. Because the Kepa thing for me is probably the most glaring weakness in our squad. Um, when you look top to bottom, that's, that's th- that's the one signing that we can make that will have an immediate impact. Surely, if we bring in someone that's experienced, of course. But
0: Zach, what you're saying, I think that's that's my point against bringing in Donnarumma. I mean, how much is he going to go for? Like maybe 55, 60 mil? Like I, I I'm not sure. I haven't seen any numbers. But, it's money.
1: Uh, it's money very well spent, though. I
0: don't think so. I mean, this guy's still unproven too. He's 21 years old. I mean, uh, he it's, has it's, it's over gonna... 200 caps at the senior level already. In so the theory, experience yeah. is there. It it's doesn't matter there. though. I mean, they allowed forty-five goals this year. I mean, it wasn't like I don't know. It's it's just the same kind of fear for me. Like you know, bringing in a young guy, paying too much. It's just the same Keppa situation all over again. I think, in my in my opinion, I, I, I like. I think I would, I'm on your side. Like, I'd rather bring in someone who's more established, older. And I mean, if we can bring in Nick Pope to play for one, two, three seasons, maybe and you know within that time an opportunity opens up for you know another established goalkeeper to to come over for not 125 million then that would be that would be great but
3: we uh, should have kept Marcin Bulka
2: that's
0: what I was
1: going to say
3: that's exactly what <laughs> I was well, just going to say
0: let's just
1: see where that would have gone
2: I've just, I've just actually seen it on my timeline that apparently according to the Gazeta dello Sport Adoniram is going to well him and ibrahimovic have agreed to new deals with Milan for another year, so Donnarumma's contract runs until 2022, so he won't be leaving with a third free potentially next season. So I'd say that pretty much rules that out. So yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's a difficult one, but you know we saw today how I was impressed by Jorginho as well when he was like saying simple things like leave the ball, do this, do that. You've got that commanding voice. We need a commanding voice goalkeeper. I, mm-hmm. it's not going to be if if. Man United are gonna go for O Ob- Black and try that. You've gotta then question Henderson's future and you've also got to question De Gea's because neither of them are bench keepers. I know De Gea's had bad run of form, a bit like, you know, he's made mistakes like Kepper, but at the end of the day, De Gea and Henderson are number one goalkeepers for a Premier League side. What level? Question mark. But they're not gonna sit right. on the bench.
0: And I also think De Gea, didn't he sign a contract not too long ago? I think he's He's signed he's until twenty twenty three, yeah. But I think he's signed till twenty twenty three. But um, so I I mean yeah, that, he that, is. that's not yeah that's not really a part of the what we're talking about. But that was just another point. Um, so l- l- let's move on. Willian out with what looked to be like an ankle injury. Um, I think that the that didn't really affect whether Pulisic was gonna start. I think he was gonna start no matter what on the left side. But um. I think this might have kept uh, Jorginho in the lineup by moving Mount to the ri- to the wing uh, on the right, on the right side. Um, what do you guys think? I'll start with you, Mikey. What do you think of that decision? Uh, and more importantly, uh, the decision to uh, put Mount there instead of Cho, like maybe put putting Cho in the mid, I'm sorry, putting Mount in the midfield instead of Jorginho and then starting Cho on the right wing.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, for me, it worked. I mean, Mason Mount in his position, he was on that way. It worked so well. Um, Hudson-Odoi, you know, I feel with Hudson-Odoi, he's still, he, I know you could say it's been a year now, but an Achilles injury is a hard injury to come back from. And he's done really well to get to the stage he's at now. And since the lockdown and all the restart, it takes a while to get your fitness. And we still didn't know how you're coming back from that injury. He was very impressive when he came on in midweek against Liverpool. But yeah, it just, fortunately, it was one of those, you know, in hindsight, that injury to Willian kind of played to our hands because, like you said, Mount started and beautiful free kick, set up the goal, man of the match. Top There's nothing more to say. (laughs) Yeah, he, he was absolutely brilliant. Pulisic as well, he's been exceptional since the restart. I felt today that unfortunately for the first half of that game he he was kind of forcing things to happen and sometimes it doesn't work you just gotta let your natural game play out and he's got the ability we've seen that but maybe he felt the pressure that he had to cause create something because obviously about how he's been the most creative resource from our team in recent weeks
1: yeah I, i honestly i wasn't surprised that mount started on the right and um it was what i preferred um You know, we still haven't seen enough of Cho to fully trust him starting a match, especially of this importance. And to be honest, it wouldn't be fair to ask him to start this match um, and expect him to perform well, considering the injury layoff he did have. Um, I feel like people are starting to temper their expectations when it comes to Cho now. I think, you know, the new arrivals are definitely taking some of the attention away from him. And maybe that'll help him expand his game a little bit. Um, maybe that added pressure of knowing that there's more competition now within the squad, you're training with higher quality players, that could possibly raise his game. Um, but with that being said, you know the last few cameos we've seen of him, he's looked pretty good. He's starting to move a lot better now. Um, he's not afraid to take contact anymore. We didn't see it much today, but we did see it. Um, we did see it last match a bit. Uh-huh. Um, but overall, you know, Mason Mount is, is is Frank's child. There's no way he's going to get benched for a match of this importance. And, um, you know, having him out there with his ability to press the ball, it didn't allow Wolves to get into any sort of rhythm, uh, throughout the game. You know, we were seeing Ruben Neves drop really deep to pick up the ball at at times. And that's exactly what you want to force Wolves to do. Um, so overall, you know, happy with the squad selection, uh, and happy with the performances. Um, Andres, were you, uh... Were you worried Cho didn't start or um, more happy that Mount got the, got the nod?
3: No, I, for me, Mount just has to start. So, honestly, yeah. I wasn't bothered by Cho not starting. Do I want to see Cho get more minutes? Sure, yeah. I think maybe the, Arsenal game, maybe the Arsenal game might be what it is. Who knows? Yeah. I, I doubt it. But um, I do think that my always my criticism of the 3-4-3 is that sometimes it lacks the creativity to break down a defense – so there were times where Mount, who is not as direct as Cho, made the decision to pass it backwards or laterally, where you think maybe Cho will dribble past a player or attempt to. And this was all pre-scoring, obviously. You guys also know that if in my, like, very, I'm very stubborn about the fact that if we score first on the 3-4-3, then we're going to keep scoring. So once that happened, obviously no need for Cho then. But again, Mount has to start. Much like Polisic and Giroud, post restart that that's a name that you don't take off this 11 so yes i get some of the chelsea fans online asking where cho is and not understanding why he's not getting the minutes but i mean hey the the guys on the pitch are are earning it at this point yeah you
0: guys got any final thoughts before we move on on this match
3: he'll get his minutes Mm
0: -hmm. yeah that's about it (laughs)
3: he'll he'll get there
0: (laughs) all right well let's move on one of our fan favorite sections um quick thoughts oh did you, did you want to talk about oh, we already talked about it pretty much uh let's let's move on one of our favorite sections quick thoughts with like nick Lenardson. uh here i'll start it off with this the swedish national anthem for nick Lenartson. i'll have a playing <laughs> in the background uh so first thought Keppa has had his last dance. We controlled the game, but still look shaky at the back. This Champions League spot opened a new dimension for signings. William and Pedro can leave without any worries. We will manage. Are these Barkley's last minutes? And that was Thoughts Ooh. with Nick Lenartsen. <laughs> that obviously, obviously, that Barkley statement—that was a jab to me. Uh, that was clearly directed towards me. I mean, he's the king of the FA Cup. I was worried he wasn't on the—he wasn't on the bench the last couple matches. But it was nice to see him out there for a little bit. Mikey, where do you stand on Ross Barkley? Because it's a—it's a pretty uh, controversial uh, topic.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I call him Mr. Leg Day because I remember seeing him when he first came back from in that first training session. And as a big fitness guy, I, I saw those legs and thought, "Wow, he's he's not messed around during lockdown. He's been working those calves and thighs all throughout lockdown."
0: Fair play. He's no Adama. He's <laughs> he, not Adama Traore, though.
2: He he's not <laughs> quite at that level. He might be <laughs> one day, but he's not quite at that level. But yeah, he's been good. Where he's been, he's been Ross Barkley. He's been hot and he's been cold. When he's hot, he's absolutely brilliant. Uh, we've seen it in the FA Cup. He's absolutely exceptional. But when he's cold, oh, you do think he needs to come off. And that's the problem. You know, he's got that potential, but he's, he's not getting any younger. And, you know, he was... I remember one one few years ago, he was talked up as the next Frank Lampard, as well as John Stones was the next John Terry. Uh, mm. I don't think either have hit the heights that they were, you know, talked up of. Certainly not even maybe half the heights. Silverware, you could maybe argue, but yeah, uh, a unintentional
1: 20- silverware on uh, John Stones's part.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, Ross turns twenty seven this year. You know, it's almost like in the same realm as Lindegaard. You think when are they fulfilling their potential? But we see him as a young guy, a bit like Lingard. Um. Uh, If we got an offer coming for him, I think we should really consider it. But realistically, I would only feel happy if he was to leave in a potential swap deal with Declan Rice. That's been talked up. Yeah. I feel if that was to go ahead, I'd feel happy. But I think he's a good squad player. But I don't think he'll ever be a first-team player. So
0: maybe we figured out why he wasn't on the the team sheet for the Liverpool match because probably he'll schedule the same day as leg day. And He couldn't <laughs> miss leg day, of course. So, uh, that, that explains everything. That, that, good, uh, good contribution. You never skip,
2: you never skip leg day,
0: of course, not. Uh, words
2: to live by, <laughs> and then, uh, we
0: got another segment. Uh, so longtime Chelsea fan and uh, NBA player Larry Nance. We've been trying to get him on the pod, but he's never ever responded to us. Maybe he's our when...
3: producer. He does everything in the background.
0: <laughs> behind the scenes. Nah. Uh, so <laughs> he he had a nice Twitter thread today. Um, his his final thought, his thoughts on the end of the Premier League season. So we thought we'd also add quick thoughts with Larry Nance Jr. And then we can put in the description that Larry Nance Jr. was on our episode, and maybe we'll get some more (laughs) listeners. Uh, So, (laughs) he says, first, we we didn't include all of them because there was a lot, but uh, some nice talking points we can discuss. Uh, First and foremost, De Bruyne is the best player in the league, and it's not necessarily close. Mikey, where do you stand on that?
2: Yeah, 100%. 100%. He's absolutely world class. As simple as that. You know, you don't get 20 assists for just being average and having a few bad games. Uh, He's tied with Thierry Henry, one of the greatest strikers of the Premier League era. And for me, someone said, oh, he's the biggest regret for us letting him go. A hundred percent. I agree. But on the other side, I feel that potentially if he hadn't have been let go, he might not have had the drive that's made him the player he is because he wanted Mm -hmm. to prove a point against... That when Mourinho pretty much got rid of him, and he proved himself in the Bundesliga, he came over to the Premier League again. And I remember the headlines on the back of the the media, the newspapers over here. It was Ma- Manchester City have signed a fifty-four million pound. I think it was roughly around that. Might have been a bit less. Uh, flop. And yeah. I thought, really, we mm, he's done well in the Bundesliga. Let's see how he goes. And I think that drive when you've been knocked back and told you're not good enough. I feel that that's pushed him to that next level. So it's it's a question. It's like Salah and Lukaku. If they'd have stayed, yeah. would they be the players they are today? Question mark again, potentially not. But for De Bruyne, yeah, 100%. He's absolute world-class talent. And I don't really know. I don't think Salah or Mane or the only player that was potentially equal or better than him was Hazard over the years. But right now, it's, it's easy, De Bruyne.
3: I'm glad you didn't mention Bruno Fernandes, or I would have punched
2: a hole through <laughs> my wall right now. Half, <laughs> half a season is not enough. top player, and he really has changed Man United's fortunes around, but you can't yeah. judge a player on six months. Well, not even six months. Well, lockdown, but three, four months of play. Mm-hmm. But Mikey, he's got the most unique penalty-taking skill ever. <laughs> Haven't you, you know heard? Never,
3: ever seen before. I, ever. I've
2: only. I've seen Jorginho take a few like that. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> I've also it, seen... It,
3: must have been inspired by Bruno Fernandez, huh?
2: Yeah, I've seen another player do it. Uh, one that you guys may have heard from uh, Atlante United, Joseph Martinez. He's done a few. Ah, my compatriot. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, and does. yeah, it's not unique. I, I've heard that on commentary, <laughs> and did think, "Come on, really?" No, but <laughs> I-, I
3: wanted to touch on what you said about De Bruyne not being who he is today had he not been casted away. And I always, as a fan, I always liked De Bruyne up front because. For one, he's one of those players – Like I grew up not being the fastest or strongest guy on my team, and it was kind of one of those things what you do when the ball's at your feet or use your brains. So I always hoped he would do it for us, but I definitely agree with you that that move away where he had to basically say, no, I am this good, I am worth the hype, did do that for him. I mean, we all remember Josh McEachern and how he was going to be the greatest midfielder in history, and where is he now, and it all – comes down to the fact that we kept him around and never played him so that is a very good shout on on why he's the best right now i do agree though that he probably is the one i regret most but yeah he has to be the player of the season i get that henderson captained liverpool to their first premier league trophy but just because you're the captain we've seen it even within our own squad doesn't make you the best player on the field and no less the best player in the league so yeah if he doesn't win pfa player of the year then there is a it's a, a storyline there's a storyline that newspapers are trying to sell not mm-hmm. what should have been
0: andreas yeah. will never turn down the opportunity to bring up the fact that he was the only person who saw any uh, glimmer of hope in de bruyne when he was on chelsea <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was the one but uh <laughs> uh-huh.
1: well maybe if Mourinho didn't play him on the wing every single time he got a run in that would have <laughs> made a slight difference but
0: all right. That is what let's, it is. Let's go to the next thought with Larry Nance Jr. He says, "Unfortunately for Lester, I would have, I would have to bet this might be the start of a few down years. Have to imagine the big clubs are gonna come calling for Chilwell, Madison, and Soyuncu. Uh, I mean, this just adds to the list of like p- great players that Lester has sold over the years. And if you think about it, uh, you know, uh, Mares, Conte." Uh, who else? Uh, you know, these all these guys have been sold in the last couple of years, but they still have been able to manage. You know, being one of the top five teams, almost a top four team. Mikey, what what do you think about this?
2: Yeah, it's difficult because Leicester. You know, we got we were criticised if we fell out the top four. We've been there since October. It would have been seen as failure, which I found was quite harsh, but I can understand the point. Leicester were there. They were in third and it looked like it was a battle for fourth, not a battle for third and fourth. And Leicester finished fifth. I know injuries have played their part. They lost Pereira, they lost Chilwell, Madison, and Soyuncu for his own his own actions towards the back end of the season. But yeah, it's difficult. They don't have to sell. So that's that's kind of in their ballpark. That's their advantage. But I can see Madison and Chilwell being the ones that pl- managers are going to go for not just in the Premier League. I think Soyuncu, Bundesliga managers are going to look towards him. Maybe Dortmund, maybe Bayern, maybe a bit of a step up for Bayern. But yeah, I, I can see Leicester potentially having a bit of an issue. It depends if their core team wants to stick together. If they do, they should be all right. I mean, Rodgers did well, but you do have to question mark that downturn of form. It's certainly worrying how they've completely gone from top three to struggling to hold it on to fourth and that obviously they they did in the end
1: yeah at the same time you know it it could be the turn of a few down years but they are going to be getting a lot of money for those guys um and if one if lesser have proved one thing in the last few years is that they're a very well-run club that money gets reinvested smartly um and i think they'll be back i don't think it's necessarily you know gonna force them to mid-table mediocrity but they might have, you know, some growing pains because they're going to have to restructure that whole roster. You know, you got an aging Jamie Vardy, and then a couple exits. Um, you know, if people come in for Seunchu or Chillwell, you got to restructure that backline all of a sudden. Um, so they've done well. They've done well this season, and they've done really well to drop some points against Man United today too. So, you know, I can't be more thankful <laughs> for uh, what the work they've put in this season. So best Fair of plot. luck to them moving forward. Andreas, what do you think? I mean,
3: yeah, I think that. Some of these guys may be at the right level. Like, I, I don't know if I've seen enough Soyunku to think that he's a Champions League defender yet. I think that the fact that they're still getting Europa League might be enough to keep, like again, Soyunku there. Um, Madison, I think it's a little bit... Maybe, Maybe he stays one more season. I know there was links to United, but now I don't even know if United will go for him. So... Chilwell's the one that that's most likely leaving because we we seem to just not go away when it comes to his name. And again, we definitely have a glaring need at, at left back. But I don't know. Fifth place for Leicester and getting Europa League, something tells me we, they might be able to hold on to, to at least two of these players. They're actually – if they could keep the bulk of this squad together, they're not a bad shout for Europa League next year. And, and think- that's what I'm saying. That's a trophy that none of these guys have won. Obviously, Leicester yeah. hasn't won. It could be enough, especially because they can promise them that they'll start week in and week out. If, if Madison leaves to United, best of luck getting into that midfield. And- Madison's not going to United. They just bought Messi. I mean, uh, Bruno Fernandez. <laughs> 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 exactly. Exactly.
0: But do you guys think that them not qualifying for Champions League might bring down Chilwell's price tag a little bit? I don't, I don't think no. so, dude. I, <laughs> I think they're fully invested in. Like, they wouldn't bring in a a manager of
1: Brendan Rogers' quality if they didn't, um, you know, give him the backing that he needs. So they're gonna do whatever they can to keep him. And as of right now, they're the ones that are being stubborn on his price tag. So, you know, the ball's pretty much in their court. You know, they don't necessarily have to sell him. There's incentive to play to play there next year.
0: All right, let's move on. Um Next point, a quick thoughts with Larry Nance Jr. He says, is Maguire even a top five central defender right now? It's a hefty tag for him. Mikey, where do you rank him? Is he top five?
2: In, In the deep. world? In the Premier
0: uh, League? <laughs> let, let, let's start off with with Premier League.
2: Is he better than Van Dijk? No. Mm-hmm. Is he better than... Oh, that's difficult. I don't think he's top five. I think he's Fee. Is he As... better than Laporta? No, no I didn't way. Think so. Okay, good. <laughs> no way. Question. I mean, look, look. I mean, you've seen how Liverpool, Liverpool, you've seen how they struggled without him. As simple as that. I mean, it's it's difficult to say. I mean, he certainly was up there last season, but you know, you'd probably say Suyanku was better over the whole season than Maguire was. Laporte mm. much better. Willy Bolly. Lewis Dunk. Yeah, Maybe?
3: I mean, these Antonio Rudiger.
2: Fashion- yeah, they're not fashionable. <laughs> well. They're not fashionable. Name. Actually, when I think about it, there's not that many top class centre backs in the Premier League anymore. No, I think he's a,
0: think he's a top five centre back,
3: honestly. He might be not four or five. In the yeah. Premier League, yeah. four
2: or five. Yeah, in the, yeah, I mean, over the whole of this season, he's not been 80 million pounds worth, but. As Sorry, a sweeper,
0: can... as as a sweeper, I think he's a he's a top class center back, but he just lets yeah. uh, a lot of faster players get by him and turn him really quickly. I mean, really easily. So that's the I one thought... one thing about him. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. The be-
2: Yeah, I think the best test you can do. I know an an NFL podcast I listen to goes with the um. How have I forgot his name? Played for the Bengals. Um, he's just left them as well. That's annoying. But uh, I'm a, a Bengals fan. Which he one? He could be. Uh he's just left. <laughs> the linebacker or
3: someone no, your court,
2: your, court, your quarterback. Oh, Andy um, Dalton. That's the one, the Dalton <laughs> scale. You could have the David you could have the David Luis scale. Is he better or worse than David Luis? Because David Luis could be amazing, <laughs> but he can also be absolutely appalling. Is Maguire wow. <laughs> better than David Lewis? Well yes. So he's he's not too bad, but he's he certainly he needs to improve his game, especially for the fee he was.
0: That should be yeah. the barometer right there. Are you better than David Luis or not? <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people would fit I like that it. mold. <laughs> Uh, interesting to hear that you're an NFL fan. We'll talk about that more after the pod if you want. But
2: <laughs> I, I um, am very happy that we've got Jamal Adams. That's what I'm gonna say. Oh, you're a Seahawks fan. <laughs> yeah, I am look a day, at yeah. that. You chose the furthest team from the UK. <laughs> <I
3: know. laughs>
0: it depends which way you're traveling across uh, across Fair the enough. ocean. Uh, so uh, la- last last quick thought, and we'll move on to Twitter questions. Uh, is uh, Sheffield United boss Chris Wilder? Manager of the Year, I, th- I think it's between him and Frank at this point. Maybe Klopp gets a I shout, a... but Zach, you want to go first? Watch Solstar win it.
3: Shut your mouth. Be- Shut because your a damn Player
0: mouth. of the Year has to be coached by the coach of the year,
1: right? <laughs> Shut. up. Oh that's my. exactly what's going to happen. But no. but but I think deep down, I think deep down, we could all agree. I, I Chris Wilder deserves it if he wins it. I won't be mad. I think Frank could win it. He's done enough too, but. The work Chris Wilder's done with a promoted side that's hardly invested any money besides what, Sander Burge, is pretty ridiculous.
3: Yeah, he was yeah. a pretty cheap player too. So yeah, I I think the three the three names on the ballot have to be Wilder, Lampard, and Klopp. Like, can we all agree on that? Like mm-hmm. yeah, those have so. to be it. And unfortunately, the media darlings of Liverpool are gonna get this and Klopp is gonna become manager of the year. Even though he should mm-hmm. get a trophy that's more like manager five-year project award winner because this wasn't a one-year thing unlike wilder or lampard it was built since he arrived they believed in his plan so i find it it's kind of one of those things where like lebron james wins mvp a lot even though he wasn't the best player that season he's just the best player so it's semantics it just depends on how you look at it i think wilder if lampard doesn't win the fa cup which i don't think will happen I think I'd give it to Wilder easily but if Lampard wins the FA Cup and gets his top four in the same season with all the craziness that's involved with Chelsea at the time he came then he should win it
2: I think a fair shout I mean he wouldn't win it and you'll laugh but Ralph Hasenhuis has gone from a 9-0 demolition job where it looked like his job was over and done yeah. and he's secured Southampton and also I gotta respect the way that Love he's Hasenhusel. handled the Hoiberg situation that's 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 difficult, and he literally just—he stuck with his no nonsense approach. You know, he said, "You know what? If you want to flutter your eyes at Tottenham, bye. I'm going to give it to James Ward-Prowse, and you know they've led the league in running statistics this season, and they do work for him. And their pressure is real. Yeah, I mean, maybe from what he's took them from and everything, and you could also say uh, Nuno at Wolves. You know, they've had a lot of games this season. I think it was the one-year anniversary that their season yep. started." <laughs> So yeah. it's that's insane, and they started off. I mean, remember how they started the season? It was like ooh in the Premier League, and they finished where they finish now. They could have been proper in that top four race if they'd have had a good start as well. So, but yeah, it's going to be between Wilder and Klopp. But we all know it's going to be Klopp. It's just it is what it is.
0: For my in my yeah. opinion, I think like before the restart, it, it, it probably would have been Wilder, but I think after the restart they're they're poor forming they finished what ninth like barely in the top half of the table and of course like you have to take into consideration it's a it's a promoted squad so like you know you have to give them that credit but i, I don't know maybe it moves it down a little bit and i do want to give a, a shout to frank like i think that what he's done to finish top four and if he were to win silverware like that's that might be a bigger accomplishment than finishing you know ninth place in the premier league with the recently promoted side but that's that, I think that's. I mean, that's an argument, but who knows how they're gonna vote? I think the Klopp the Klopp decision might might be what they do. Yeah, the I think.
2: The, yeah, I think the Wilder situation. You look at the restart, and you know they drew against Villa. They, but well, they should have won that game because you know yep. goal line technology didn't work. But uh-huh. then they got beat by Newcastle, beat by Man United, they lost to Arsenal, beat Spurs, drew to Burnley, beat Wolves, beat us. <laughs> Uh, I forgot about that lost, match. <laughs> and, but then the last three games they've lost. They've lost to Leicester, they've lost to Everton, they've lost to Southampton today. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's probably going to take the shine off their season and any chance of him lifting that award. I think it's going to be clock. We know it's going to be clock.
3: I hate to keep kind of just getting on my knees for Wilder here, but the fact that as a promoted side, he didn't revert to just parking the bus. All season, oh, he actually implemented a very structured three-five-two. I, 2 I, I want to give him props to that because it is so common to just see the new currently promoted sides. I mean, look at Norwich. Just give up on any sort of identity so early into the season. And he has that three-five-two. just – it's in their DNA now. Like they, there's no other way of playing for them.
1: Hey, God, he's he's showed football. us a way of playing football that none of us have ever seen before in the Premier League with the overlapping fullbacks. And yeah. like that alone, to put to put a system in place with a newly promoted side, something that's that complex, and to have it succeed at, at this level, that's that's fucking impressive. Regardless of whether his results took a downturn, if you ask me, I think Klopp is probably going to wind up winning a trophy. Um, but it, Chris Wilder's my choice um, if it's not Klopp. I just think he's done a lot, and it's not to take anything away from Frank or or what he has done, um, but j- just you know. From from my non-biased perspective, I've seen enough from Chris Wilder to say shit. That's never ever been done before, and he needs a trophy for it.
0: All right, now let's move on to our Twitter questions. Uh, our first one is from Mike D at ATX CFC. Uh, so you know, just we we're we're gonna do a lot of. Uh, Of the type these type of questions in our match, I mean our season recap episode in a couple weeks, Uh, but you know because of Kova's performance today, I thought it was an appropriate question. Uh, He asked, "Who's the player of the year? If not Kova, then who?" Uh, And like you know, and who's the most valuable? Mikey, you want to
2: start off? Well, if you're saying player of the year and you just stick to 2020, it's got to be Christian Pulisic. (laughs) He's been incredible since Uh we started up, you know. But if we're if we're, to- oh, I was clever. If, I, if we're talking about the season, it's going to be, yeah, it, of course, it's mateo Kovacic, especially how he came into the team. Would we have signed him if we weren't under that ban? And no, we wouldn't have. We wouldn't have paid 40 million for him. We'd have looked elsewhere. That's mm-hmm. what I feel. But he stepped in and he had an average season last year under Sarri. He didn't do anything particularly stand out or special, in my opinion. And he's developed his game under Lampard. And he's showing, for me, why Real Madrid bought him in the first place from Inter Milan he's got that great quick footwork he he chased down the ball today the amount of times I saw Wolves attack and Kovacic out of nowhere he's there almost like Kante-esque it was really really impressive so for me it's it's Kovacic all the way
0: I want to give a shout to Dave I mean he's played at right back right wing back left back and center back this season always done what he was asked and more um I, I saw these stats on Twitter from Newman, uh, at Nomi footy. He uh, led the team in successful tackles, interceptions, and blocks. Second, most assists, second, most clearances, second, most recoveries, second, most aerial duels, won, and third, most chances created, um, from a defender. Uh, I, I think he was extremely valuable to our team. And, you know, like given our, struggles on the defensive side he's been the only reliable player that we've had this year and he did whatever was asked and i, I really appreciate him for that and zach what, what do you think about that
1: seven million pounds money well spent um yeah, probably
0: the best no, bargain buy
1: ever in a season where we've been plagued with defensive frailty and uh the unknown when it comes to our back line dave has been the only constant and rightly so he's been the only constant um his whole career um we, we've always expected that 7 out of 10 performance every single match and that's what we got um a couple of standouts um his assist numbers this season uh 6 assists in the premier league that's the second highest on the team so there's his importance there um filled in in multiple positions um and uh what what was it i don't even think he got a yellow card this season Um, so, you know, when you look at the amount of minutes he's played and, and the importance of the minutes he's played, he's been, he's been our star performer at the back. So yeah, definite, 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 uh, shout out to Dave, but I also want to have a quick shout out to Mason Mount, even though he's not putting up the goals and assist numbers we expected. He is probably our most, um, our most obvious player that you could point out, um, to a football dummy. Um, if you ask them what our identity is, just tell them to watch Mason Mount. Um, for a whole match and, and they'll know exactly what lampard's chelsea's all about high pressing high tempo um, lots of running um commitment on the ball uh, and, and and most recently you know starting to put more goals in lampard has been telling mount um you know to put his foot through the ball more and uh, we're starting to see that so um, the importance of mason mount this season can't be understated either but those those are all secondary to what kovacic has done this year um easily easily our most consistent guy and and our only player who could transition us from defense to attack um by passing or dribbling so um you know shout out to kovacic and 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 honestly i'm going to put my hands up you know when the season did start i did question the fact that we went out and purchased him um you Know what the midfield depth he already had going into the season, but you know, he's proved everybody wrong, and I love him for it. So, you know, our best 11 has Kovacic in it, um, and, and it also has the other two guys that I mentioned in David Mason Mount.
0: Kova Crew,
3: yeah. oh Kova Crew, baby, yeah, of course, Kova Crew, man. Like, I hope that recency bias doesn't go against them. I really fear that because yeah. I saw something where it said like Mount in his debut season has played over 50 matches for Chelsea, mm-hmm. which is incredible props to him for having that sort of engine staying away from injury. And he kind of like Dave has had to recreate his role in this team multiple times. Now he started as that winger when we first got the season started, then that shadow striker 10 role, then post restart, we asked him to be an attacking eight. Anytime we ran the 3 three, four, three, he was more of an inside forward. So, I do have to give props to Mount for that. I think that he might win, perhaps maybe your players' player of the season, like within the Chelsea organization. But like with the, with the one with the players' vote, but it, it's hard to pass up on Kovacic. When Conte was down, we relied on Kovacic. When Jorginho wasn't up to standard, we relied on Kovacic. Like it's the the non, what's the word they use for you know in. Again, bringing up the NFL, the 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 word they use to describe the the things that aren't in the stats, intangibles. They used it a lot. Thank you. They used yeah. it a lot with Tim Tebow. The intangibles. <laughs> it's the <laughs> fact that, like, yeah, you there is no stat for the most the highest percentage of dribbles from the the from your back third to the through the middle third. Like the amount of times we've seen him dribble from within our own half past the halfway line and then finding an open man is incredible. And yeah, he was doing a lot of that at Inter. He he did a little bit of, of that at, at Real Madrid with his few minutes. And then he had to move away from what he's known to do with Sari. And now Lampard was like, no, no, let's go back to that. So for Kovacic to finally unleash his own style of play again is really great to see. Again, honorable mentions for definitely Dave and Mount and a post-restart MVP to Pulisic for sure. But... I'll I'll be personally I hope will feel personally attacked if Kovacic doesn't win player of the year.
2: I'll jump in on the Espel thing. Back in October, there was a lot of social media chatter that his decline during October and you know, into November a bit, that he was done as a top a top player in our squad. And, you know, I said on my own part that you just need a break. He's played so, I think he played every minute of our games last season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that that gets you, you know, you're performing. Every, every game, that's a hard 90 minutes. And, you know, you've got to be mentally switched on as well as physical. And I think he just got tired. He was left out of the squad for a bit. He had a few bit of a rest and he came back and what a comeback, you know, from that start and the beginning of the season compared to how he's ended the season. Okay, he's had the lockdown as well. But overall, he's made that comeback from being written off to being, again, a top top player in our team, and he is underrated. And he's a, probably he's got to be in the top three for Chelsea bargain signings of all time.
0: I mean, even maybe like Premier League history. Honestly, I'm not even. Seven to... million pounds
1: is yeah. nothing amazing. to a Champions League win to too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And, and considering all the money we had in the bank from winning the Champions League, we go out and spend seven million on a fullback.
2: Yeah, amazing. And
1: look, look what we got out of it. It's brilliant.
0: Alright, you guys mentioned Mason Mount. We got a question from Nacho Fuentes at uh Sherman Doge uh shout out to Venezuela. He says, <laughs> What is Mount's best position? Central attacking mid, winger, central central mid? Uh what do you what do you think, Mikey? I'll start off with you.
2: Uh he, he's he's a jack of all trades. He's done really, really well in whenever he's sort of fit been asked to fit in. I know for himself, I think he like he's played in that number eight and that number 10 role, hasn't he, really, this season? But he said he, I remember mean, after the Everton game, he said that he felt like he's always been a number eight. So I kind of trust him to know his best position himself. <laughs> but yeah, he, wherever he's performed, he's usually had a, a good good uh, impact on the game. Yeah, sometimes he's not been at his best, but he's a young lad. You know, he's, tw- he's 21 and... He's finally getting that that chance in the first team after incredible seasons at Derby and Vitez. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more from him next season, so much so I got him on the back of my jersey this year, so I had faith in him. But, yeah, he's he's a great player, and I think, you know, in that number eight role, we'll see how he evolves again next season, because if we're going to have the likes of Ziek and hopefully Havertz, it's going to be very interesting. But, again, today he was on the on the flank, and he did really well again. He's just so versatile and we're very very lucky to have such a versatile positive attitude player like himself who just wants to pull that che- that Chelsea shirt on and just perform for his boyhood club.
0: Where do you think he performs best though?
2: Uh, i uh, I like it I do like him on the wing I, I feel he's got energy interesting I, I really do yeah I do like that but when he's in that number eight he's very good again in the midfield he, he's good in both positions it's it's a very difficult one. It is very difficult.
3: Andres, what do you think? I'm going for straight this this new attacking eight position where he can be almost as big of an annoyance as Conte can be when we're working defensively. With his pressure is huge, and I think that attacking eight gives him the flexibility to do both what both the defending side, but also Kind of what makes him dangerous, which is those late man runs into the box, kind of the way Frank Lampard-esque in a way, but also get into a position to shoot from outside the box because he's got a great shot from distance. So for me, that that role that we saw him play when we came back where he was leading the press from midfield and also running past – finding the time to run past the our strikers or our front three is where he's most lethal – I do prefer my winger to be a little more chaotic in the sense that he thinks he can create more individually, which I think Mount is more of a facilitator in that sense. He's not going to be the guy to dribble past five players if if it's called upon. But he's in the right place in the box, and he and he's got more of a a natural finishing technique around the box than than your typical, like even more so than than Pulisic or or Cho so I want him to be more centrally placed. So for me it's that attacking 8. And that's with the the fewest performances in that position out of all the places he played this season.
1: For me it has to be the attacking 8 too. Um just kind of looking ahead, you know, we we're getting Werner, Ziyech, most likely Havertz according to uh Leroy Sané and everybody on Twitter. Um <laughs> Yeah, it has to be the attacking eight. I could definitely see him being, um, you know, the engine in that midfield next season. Um, you know, especially if we run a three with any variation of, you know, Havertz, Conte, and Mount, or you know, Loftus Mount, Cheek. Kovacic, and Conte, Loftus Cheek, Gilmore, Bryce Barkley, possibly Billy Gilmore. Who knows what's happening with Connor Gallagher? I mean, the list goes on and on. So. Um, there's definitely room for him to play at the attacking eight for me, um, but as of right now, it's kind of hard to narrow down what his best position is because he seems more like a squad player this year who uh, has been utilized as a yes man. You know, uh, it, basically a manager's dream. It, and it doesn't take a genius to see why Lampard, you know, fell in love with him. He does exactly what's asked, and uh, tactically, he's very astute, a good head on his shoulders. Um, you know, doesn't give the ball away too often. Um, and and does what's asked, the bare minimum. He gives it 110. He's he's one of the only players I've seen, um, you know, at Chelsea. Period. Um, since I started following Chelsea, where you can tell that you know he he lives and dies for the badge. Um, you know he, he's, he's blue through and through. And and that's the bare minimum for me to fall in love with you at Chelsea. You know you just want to have that kind of player who can give it his all day in and day out. Like you know exactly what you're getting from him. Uh, But I don't want that to take away from his technical ability or how brilliant he is in other areas of the pitch But you know moving into next season I would like to see him uh, play that attacking eight and uh, I could see him being that engine in front of Conte
0: You mentioned the new arrivals. Uh, We got a question from Super Saiyan Black at Black Emoji He asks uh, Cho and Loftus-Cheek need to make an impact next season. What role do you see them playing? Uh, Mikey, what do you what role do you see Cho and Loftus-Cheek playing next season?
2: Um, yeah, Hudson Odoi. Hopefully, he'll have had a full preseason under his belt of a whole month, a whole month of preseason. Considering the season starts on the twelfth <laughs> of September, so yeah. Um, Loftus cheek again. This could be his. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see him loaned out or potentially sold. I know that sounds insane, but you know, twenty-four, and we've got a very stacked midfield now. We have a one hell of a midfield with, like I said, Ziyech, Havertz Mount as well, depending on where they all decide to play. Kante, Jorginho, Kovacic. You, you're starting to think we have got the most stacked midfield in the Premier League. So yeah. where does Loftus cheek fit into that? Who's he gonna displace in the team? It's gonna be very difficult. It's a make or break year for him, that's for certain. If he stays. Yep. Uh, if he doesn't do it, then he, he it's it's well, yeah, it's 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 over, I'd say. I mean Hudson odoi yeah. He's got that deal. We we kept him. We were desperate to keep him for a reason. And I'm hoping that his injury hasn't affected him too much. And we get, when he's had a full run of games, he'll be the hudson Adoy that we, we all loved and wanted to sign that contract last season with um, under Sarri. So, fingers crossed on hudson Adoy, But Loftus-Cheek, I'd say this is an even bigger year for him if he stays at the club because he's got to get into that midfield, especially at his age.
3: Yeah, I, I agree that it is going to be a make-or-break year for Loftus-Cheek. Like we talked earlier about that kind of motivation that led to De Bruyne becoming the player he is, I think that that's what Loftus-Cheek is about to face in this next season. If we get Kai Havertz, that's that's a third player, that whether it's based on the transfer fear or form, that is starting ahead of him in a potential midfield three. Because at that point, you expect it to be Conte plus one of Mountain Kovacic and Havertz. That would be the the go-to midfield three. Mm -hmm. I think Loftus-Cheek, for one, has to stay healthy for a full season. Like, if he gets injured again, as awful as it sounds, I don't see him staying past his contract, if not even sooner than that. Mm -hmm. And I think that he's got the right head on his shoulders to believe that he can force himself into this team. I also think that much like Man City's midfield, we'll see a lot of rotation where we don't complain about it, if that makes sense. City had that rotation where they would have any of Bernardo Silva, uh, Gundogan, De Bruyne, Rodri, David Silva, and even Phil Foden all rotating. And I feel like their fan base was pretty content each week with that sort of movement. There's plenty of matches. Chelsea likes to compete in all fronts at once. So whether it's Carabao, whether it's the easier Champions League matches or, you know, some of the squeezed in Premier League matches in between a a run of, of games. I think he'll play some role, but I do think that this is kind of he's got he's got a little bit of heat under his butt going into this season. Now for Cho, he's the fourth winger going into it in the depth chart, per se. You got Werner, Pulisic potentially I mean Werner potentially Polisic and uh, Ziyech for sure and then you got Cho he will be healthy hopefully and I think he definitely has more of a future than Loftus-Cheek so I think they'll both play but it's definitely a big year for both to establish themselves
0: you brought up the wing depth um, we got a question from Michael Conan at M. Conan 1789 he says with William out with an injury today and the attack looking strong still, and plus the additions of Zek, Werner, and likely Havertz. Have we seen the last of Willian at the bridge in a blue kit? Mikey, what do you think?
2: The thing is with William, whenever he does play, he always puts in a shift. He might not be good, but he puts in a shift. <laughs> um, I think it'd be Air a minimum. shame to see him I, I think it'd be a shame Tottenham or Arsenal because of that connection, you know. I know the fans dislike him, but I think that would just top it for them if he went to Spurs. But yeah. I, I can't... I don't think it's... If, unless he backs down from a three-year deal, I don't see it happening because we, we have that policy with over 30s and he's over 30. He wants three years. We want to give them a two-year deal. And I think two-year is respectful from our side. It's giving him the respect that we know what he brings to the side, but it's also respecting our 30-year system. I mean, I think it was a three-year deal taking him to like 35 and you got it's a lot of money we'd be paying him each week, wage-wise at that age. Is he going to still be that consistent player at that age? He might prove us all wrong and go to Spurs, Arsenal, whoever and be so good in three years' time, but you can't take that risk. Look at David Luiz's decline. We gave him respectfully a two-year deal and he left. Fair enough. But has he been better than last season for Arsenal yeah. than he was for us? No, that's the thing. You never know, and that's we we're very good financially because we're self sufficient and we know when it's time to wave goodbye to an asset. We did it with Petr Cech. we did it with Lampard, we did it with John Terry. We know when the time is right to say goodbye.
1: Respect to William, though no. um, mm-hmm. he, he he has been. Uh, one of the constants in our team um, in recent years in terms of always putting in that shift like Mikey said so He's always gonna have a special place in my heart. I know how polarizing he is for Chelsea fans, and I know that you know they seem to be split down the middle in terms of loving Willian and absolutely hating Willian. But I I always fell into one of those people that's appreciated what he's done on the pitch. So if that's the last, if this is the last we're gonna see of him, you know, hopefully we get a chance to get a glimpse of him in the Arsenal match because he has been important for us since the restart. Um, you know, if it is the last time, then farewell. Um, and then if not, you know, I, I, I think that a two year deal is more than sufficient. And if he's just not willing to sign that, then, you know, fair play to him and best of luck wherever he goes, unless it's the Tottenham or Arsenal.
3: Yeah. Right. I am okay with him leaving. Some things need to come to an end. Really? And You're okay. Yep. I am 100% okay with it. (laughs) We can always
0: use another sleeper agent at Arsenal, honestly. Listen, exactly,
3: exactly. We all know that the way we make top four is by giving everybody our scraps and then them coming back to haunt them. So, no, in in all honesty, William likes to speak when he's not happy, and he would then become the fourth-choice winger. Again, based on how much money we're putting into it, based on maybe what Lampard's trying to do with his team next season, based on politic's form altogether... I can't see William staying quiet if he doesn't win or play. And, and that's honestly my biggest worry about us budging and giving him three years, which is a significant investment. I think it's better that we split ways amicably, whether it is to him going to Arsenal or anything like that. Yes, he puts in a shift, but I think it's time for us to start producing actual numbers from our front three. It would be a nice change of pace to not rely on just one guy like we ever did with Hazard. So, yeah, I'm who's, ready to who, say goodbye to William. Who's got
0: someone making lunch in the background? <laughs> I hear, I hear someone with like forks and knives in the background. Is that one of you guys?
2: Yeah, ten to ten, yeah. guys, it's not me. Okay, <laughs> lunch was a long time ago. <laughs> All
0: right, well, let's let's we got one last question from Akash Gosh, aka Akush. At akashkosh uh, 691 on Twitter. He wants to get our thoughts on the FA Cup final and the Champions League return leg. That's that's the perfect transition to our last uh, final portion, the FA Cup final preview. Um, So just really quick, you know, this is Arsenal's only way to qualify for the European competition. Um, You know, if we win, it would be, uh, I think... Uh, uh, wolves would get that next qualifying spot. So Arsenal still at eighth, just will not get it. So that's their. They have something more to play for than us, I think. Uh, their recent form: win, loss, win, win, loss, including wins against Liverpool, City, and Watford, and losses to Spurs and Villa. They've been running a three-four-three as well as of late. Uh, just but just have been just as shaky as before, if not worse. Mikey, what what are your thoughts on this match, and what do you think is going to happen?
2: It's going to be a tough one. Um, Arsenal are always good when we play them for some reason. They they always step up their game. We'll step up ours. It's going to be strange at Wembley again because no fans. And, you know, the fans always... You, they play a part one way or another. I, I think if Bamiyang's on form, we're going to struggle because uh, Bamiang is another top-class player. He's probably Arsenal's best player. Their only Sorry, yeah. best good player. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah... Uh, if he's if he's firing on all cylinders, we're going to be in for a tough game. But I'd like to think Giroud might step up again. He's been, you know, he's look at the Europa League final. He was incredible in that. So hopefully, if we can have a repeat of that, I handle a one nil, one nil would be fine for me. It's going to be a difficult game, mm-hmm. but hopefully, we can fifty years on from our first FA Cup triumph, we can be, you know, repeating that feat by lifting that beautiful trophy oh. in Wembley. Hopefully, in that was that beautiful kit that we had i haven't seen that for a while in the recent we discussed that
3: last week it would be awesome if the if three uk would just put in there stamp on it and let us wear it one last time
2: yeah that's the thing isn't it it's got yokohama tires on it so they might not be too keen (laughs) no way not in the cup final
0: i mean it's the blue on blue so it's not like anyone can see it anyway so why do you
3: matter (laughs) (laughs) wishful wishful thinking for sure tell the people
0: making all that money that
3: um,
1: (laughs) going into the FA Cup final guys I'm I'm going to be honest I feel really good um I love a cup final against Arsenal and
3: uh that is Giroud uh,
1: yeah and and that, see that's the thing that's all I really care about in this game if Ali Giroud starts um I feel really really good about our odds um I I just feel that there's some bad juju coming Arsenal's way and it's going to continue for a while you know we talk about Aubameyang being their world class player um, where his head's going to be at, going to be interesting. Cause I know he's running into some contract, uh, negotiations and, and, and I know that they've stalled recently cause he's apparently waiting for Barcelona. Um, so who knows where his head's going to be at? Um, who knows give him more the motivation be to play at?
0: better though, you know? Well,
1: here's another thing, you know, bad news for us. Mustafi's probably not going to be playing. <laughs> um, so, Damn it. you know, if they have to play Rob holding their defense just got that much better. Um, But no, overall, I feel really good about the cup final, guys. You know, Chelsea and FA Cup, our history speaks for itself. Um, You know, especially off the back of a really positive win um, against the Good Wolves side, qualifying for Champions League. The boys are going to be up for it, and and I expect to go into that game um, with the intention of winning it. Now, the return leg for the Champions League... I don't know. Not, I I don't feel too confident about that one. Um, you know, we are 3-0 down, so um chances are we may we're probably not gonna be advancing. Um but yeah, it regardless, you know, the Champions League is not gonna change my outlook or my or my view of this team or um it's not gonna, you know, get me too high or too low no matter what. Um but the FA Cup final is definitely the important one for me, man. I I, I love winning that trophy. Um, and especially if it's against the Gooners, that it'll just make it that much better.
2: Yeah, you have to... I mean, the Champions League is pretty much done and dusted. Let's, it's not negativity, it's just fact. Yeah. It's We're going to Germany to overturn a 3-0 lead. That's difficult. The only, only silver lining I can think of is that Bayern Munich haven't been playing competitive football for nearly a month. Yeah. That's that's it. But even then, I still think Bayern Munich have enough to... I, I think they'll probably win. I think it'll be about 2-0... It is what it is. We, it's the toughest side of the draw as well. So if we get Definitely. through, it's going to be, wow! I can't remember who are we playing if we do beat Bayern. Was it Barcelona or Napoli? Barcelona or Napoli, correct? Yeah, that, oh. that's not going to be that's not going to be easy either. So, well, Barcelona, I oh. think. Or
1: Napoli. Then, uh,
2: uh, it's we'll bring back
1: Ivanovic for that one.
2: Exactly. I, I think it is it is what it is. We're not going to get through that. No and, no matter what, even if we did, we're all going to
3: lose to Atalanta in the Champions League final. So. Nice. <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> no, but uh, I think, I mean, it, it's written for us to, to beat Arsenal. I think it's, they beat us when we won the, the Premier League in the FA Cup last time <laughs> around, but... I mean, we've discussed it. Giroud is a different beast when it comes to elimination games. We saw what he did to Arsenal last time. We saw the way he celebrated winning against Arsenal last time. While they have their glimpses of looking great, they're also still extremely shaky. And when there's David Luiz on the pitch, like we talked about earlier with the David Luiz scale, you got to flip a coin. I think that Lampard did well to motivate these guys to play against United in the FA Cup. And I think he'll do the same going into the final. I mean, as a player who's won it multiple times in the new Wembley, I can only imagine it would be a dream come true to lift the trophy as the Chelsea manager. And to do it in his first season, I mean, uh, it's stuff of, of dreams. And I, and I really do think that we can achieve it. So because of our sponsor, I'm going to say 3-1. we we make that prediction
2: every week (laughs) yeah to be fair Arteta's got and so's Lampard a perfect record in the cup final Arteta's two for two Lampard's four for four so one of those records will disappear who's it gonna be I mean it's gonna be a great narrative it's gonna be I'm hoping with David Luiz on display there's gonna be a penalty (laughs) because she should be tripped over and We'll sure. go and score it because Jorginho yeah. will step up and he'll copy Bruno Fernandez's technique and pop it in the corner. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe he'll yeah. win player of the year for it. Who knows? He might.
2: He might. He's top, 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 top player, really.
1: <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> I like the shout for Jorginho scoring in the final. Maybe a farewell goal for him as well.
2: What am I not? Ooh, maybe. Hopefully it stays, but we'll see.
1: Well, guys, I mean I think that pretty much covers it for this week. I know we got a lot more Twitter questions in um, and we would have loved to dive into them. um, But I responded to who I could um, and uh, we're definitely saving them for next week. We got a uh, season review coming up. So hopefully the tone for that will be happy um, and another trophy will be in our uh, trophy case. Um, But anyways, thank you to Mikey for joining us. Mikey, we really appreciate it. We know it's really late over there across the pond. So uh, for you to take your time out and celebrate – this joyous occasion with us is uh, very much
0: appreciated. Thank you.
1: Oh, not, a
2: pro- not a problem, guys. It's It's been incredible. I've, I've absolutely loved the uh, – I think it's been just over 90 minutes. So just like a, a good football match we've, uh, we've got there. We've got into the added time. But, yeah, it's been great. And uh, I'm sure hopefully I'll be on it again in the future. So that would be great.
1: Yeah. Yeah, anytime, man. We'd love to have you back. Um, it's always good to hear uh, someone's opinion from across the pond. Um, but Sam Andres, guys, as always, another successful podcast. Um, and until next week, to all the Rep Ultras, keep the blue flag flying high.